It's Blake's birthday. I will not sing. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. My Lawson. I won't do it. Sing yeah. Lawson. Oh. Sing to the big cuddly bear. No. <laughs> <laughs> Lawson hates me. Welcome to Products of Grace, a podcast by Mercy Hill Church. My name is Lawson Harlow, and with me today I have Don Terrell and birthday boy Blake McCullough. Happy birthday, Blake. Thanks, Don. So, Don, what are we doing today? He left that out last episode. Yeah. This is why I emphasized it today. What a breathe-in. Mm. I know, that I was, it was an emphasis. It was an emphatic breath. So today, we again try to kill the podcast. <laughs> But the good news is, the good news is, Lawson's the only one that should be truly worried. <laughs> but I told him, I said, bro, don't worry, because like, if we have to start a new church, I've got a full bag of names. So here's a few of them. Oh, man. Hill of Mercy. <laughs> Those Mercy Hill people. The MH. And then my all-time favorite is Lawson Harlow Baptist Church. <laughs> And the reason why it's my favorite is because it's doubly good because the, what do you call that? The moniker? The emblem? The emblem? Mm. The, we use a M and an H. And so I text Lawson, I said, bro, don't worry. If we go with Lawson Harlow Baptist Church, we can still repurpose that emblem. And he's like, what do you mean? And I go, I mean, the M easily converts to an L. Yeah. And the H stays. How does the M convert to an L? It would just... You've got all the sticks. Or you could just drop the M and the one yeah. side of the cross looks like an L. <laughs> I, I would That's leave. That's worse. worse. That's absolutely terrible. I hate everything about yeah. it. We just <laughs> rename our church Choice Drops of Mercy from the Hill of Christ Church. <laughs> That's good. I like that. that. Is. That's good. That is. All I had right. a dream last night that I ordered more but i literally week after week i just kept order ordering more, more pamphlets. books of choice drops of honey from the rock of christ and i had a dream that i got a phone call from them that said you don't have to order any more books we'll just send you what you need we just want you to tell people how great the book you're is. our number one customer oh, wow that was my dream things are weird no, you need I to test the real for a second no that'd be great like, that That's would a be dream. call them yeah i right. have a vision so this <laughs> conversation that we're having today so what are we doing today Julie and I had this conversation out by the pool, and it was energized. First world probs. Energized. 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 Is that a euphemism? So Julie, said, Julie said, I had Lawson on speakerphone last night, and she goes, Lawson, prepare yourself. She told me to get a good night's sleep. <laughs> get a good night's sleep, she said. Oh, which gosh. I did not. <laughs> me says, neither. Then she says, you're not going to win. Oh, and I said, there is no winning or losing. We're all brothers Lawson here. says, yes, there is. <laughs> Everything is about wins and losses because, Gila, you said, remember, you started it the day Blake, like we were all teaching on a Wednesday and we were done with the series. And oh, yeah. then she goes, Blake won. Blake won. <laughs> Yeah, and from that point forward, everything's been a competition. Or at least I've known that Including in the mind the of Julie, everything's yeah, I, been a competition. I, I, I promise you, I was not even, I was like, no, this is a energized, robust conversation. We're going <laughs> to have fun. We do fun things on the podcast. We do. And it's going to be fun. It's going to be a good time. I never thought about this being a debate or wins and losses, but in her mind, evidently, there are only winners and there's losers. There's only winners and losers. And if, if you, you come in first, second, last. yeah, if you come in second, you're the first loser. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. 
So in a recent sermon series, I got the idea for the title of this podcast, the title of this sermon, excuse me, this sermon, (laughs) this episode came from a sermon and it's going to be called Confessions of a Serial Killer. (laughs) Of a Serial Killer. (laughs) I mean, how hard have have y'all been working to to get that into? Oh, it's here. Yeah. I was just curious. The people don't know, so we're going to tell the story. Okay, good. Yeah. (laughs) So... Lawson called us all from the pulpit. It seems, he <laughs> it said, seems. and I quote, and I if have, we take Jesus's ethic, let's let's. I don't remember that refuse, part. I hear the word the ethic. Narrative. I don't remember that part. We That's seem to be serial killers, and I quote, and that is Pastor Lawson. <laughs> I wish that would have made it's on did the you tile. Post that to the, did you put that on? No, no I uh, made it for your benefit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's the day. Producer Charles, have you ever seen that? The tile that was made? I'll have to show it to you. It's hilarious. <laughs> we seem to be serial killers. That's what was said. <laughs> so if you take Jesus's, what'd you say? Ethic. 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 Tell yeah. us how you arrived at that. Matthew. Yeah. Sermon on the Mount. If, if you've hated your brother, you've already committed adultery. Yeah. Adultery. What adultery. <laughs> Whoa. It's been a long day. If you've hated Lawson your brother, you've already murdered him in One your heart. Done. Thus... We, I imagine, have hated a many a person and thus are serial killers. All right. Amen. So last week we thanked Blake for the time spent in the Subaru driving us to (laughs) the Phillips Grocery. Hmm. But this week we apologize to Lawson because somehow he's the victim. Always. But the real victims are you, dear listeners. (laughs) For evidently it's come to light that it's trying to listen to three people talk over, not each other, two people talk over Lawson. What? This is how this has been, this is how this has been perceived. The narratives are coming back against us. That's not my perception. So he said, he planted it. No, he said somebody called him out of concern. Here we go again. (laughs) He said, are you okay? And I was like, do not nurture. I've had, I've actually actually had three conversations about this. So Blake, We need to apologize. Yeah, I think y'all are bullies. I'm sorry if you feel as if. <laughs> I love this. You have been bullied. Here's here's my favorite. Program. That's what I say to people when when I'm like, I'm sorry you feel that way. Is me saying that's yes. not real. That's not an yeah. apology. That's it's not. Real. The one that gets me, and I, I'll go ahead and say it. I hear this one. I love this one from G Lee. I'm sorry, but <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm sorry that you were offended. Yeah, normally I put but, the hand up and I was like, uh, 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 uh. Just stop it. Just the listen. first two words. That's it. Like, that's all we need. <laughs> Lawson, do you get any of this at your house? Uh, most, I'll be honest. Most of the time, I'm the one that says I'm sorry, but. <laughs> <laughs> so people are concerned about you for real? People are worried that y'all bully me a little bit too much on the podcast. So you should hear us outside the podcast. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, if you think that's bad. Nah. So I've got a solution. Okay, good. I love solutions. Charles has given me a mute button for the two of you. Oh. <laughs> so the, is that real? The voice uh, that matters. <laughs> <laughs> I just need to know if that's real or not. No. Okay. It's not. So my other, what's going to happen is I'm going to start a sentence like, um, like, can you imagine if we thought this? <laughs> and you're going to bleep that part <laughs> out <laughs> and say something. It's like Mad Libs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my other favorite thing is when you're mad at somebody or when Julie's mad at me. Let's just be honest. Speaking in eternal terms, 
Mm. forever like, like you ruin everything <laughs> <laughs> or you're always you like yeah. that one yeah, you're always so have you ever heard the uh i guess it's the i guess it's the uh, it's probably just a phrase if you point your finger in blame at someone <laughs> there's two points three, three fingers are pointing back at you i used to mm. this in like elementary school all the time why three we're doing the. We're doing it right now. Listeners. Yeah. Well, the thumb is not technically a finger; it's a thumb. Uh, but the thumb isn't actually pointing back at anyone. It's pointing yeah, it's at the just sky, up in the air. Like we're all gun. gesturing, by the way. Yeah. I, there's no way to capture that. We should video podcast ourselves. We should. 2022. All right. So you ready? Yep. So what are we doing today? We're going to talk about the biblical ethic. <laughs> biblical ethics. <laughs> It is. Yeah. Why? Why isn't it? Let's just let's just. All go, right. Let's so just with that gentleman, and then we'll. So with that gentleman, let's get it lit and lay it at the door. <laughs> what? <laughs> was this a flame? Is this a flaming bag of manure? Is that what? Is that so what's to happening? lay something at someone's door? So to lay something at someone's door is to regard or name someone as responsible for something. This phrase may have arisen from the practice of leaving an illegitimate baby on the doorstep of the man who was identified as its father. Wow. How crazy. (laughs) That's an interesting, uh, wow. Morning. It is. Evening. Whenever you open the door. Hi. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) What is this? (laughs) Yeah. It's all creeping us out. Yep. All right, so this topic stems from not a disagreement (laughs) in biblical ethic in regards to a former episode on pornography. Oh, okay. So let me let me just frame it. So Lawson said on the episode, he said, "Yeah, if you're struggling with pornography, and you need to immediately confess it to the Lord, repent of your sin." And we're talking about believers, like this is categorically believers, yeah. And then you need to go confess it to your spouse. And I, if, if you go back and listen to that episode, I'm like, ah, well, I think, and I was in probably a minority opinion, and you could tell Lawson when we were recording it, was like, net got red. Yeah, his net got red. It's essence of sober-minded where I don't lash out instantly. So so this whole podcast is set up for me to lash out, though, so it'll be great. Is it? I don't think so. No, it's not. It's not. Yeah. So let me say this. I think Christian culture has disconnected pornography from adultery. Like the world has bought into the lie that abortion isn't murder. I would agree with that. Okay. So I have a scripture. This isn't the conclusion. (laughs) This is the beginning of our discussion of what is the Christian ethic. So brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Mm. Keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. That's Galatians 6, 1 through 2. So I think like, you know, I guess like trying to build out the biblical category for this conversation was, I think there, therein lies a, a category that says being caught. Mm-hmm. Right? And so like when we're thinking about pastoral counseling, like definitely being caught, like being caught like in the act or being mm-hmm. caught, but I think there's a distinction in my mind that I was mentioning on that episode, which is the spirit convicts of sin. And so what does the believer then do in, in the midst of that conviction? Hmm. 
So here's my questions. Is our confession to God of, of sin enough? Are there cases where the sin is against God and man, yet the sinner is cleansed in the covering of sin, no admission or confession one-to-one to man, but it's God's mercy and thus not sinful to not confess because, because the confession has happened to the only party that matters, which is God. And, and I'm, I'm using sin. Blanket. Blanket. Lawson's why don't you why don't you re restate that question because it's really lengthy. All right. So is our confession to God of sin enough? Depends on the circumstance. <laughs> <laughs> like, I really think, think it's like it's really easy. I mean, you think about it at the heart level, mm-hmm. right? Like David said in Psalm fifty one, I acknowledge my sin to you, God. I, is that fifty one? To you and to you only have I mm-hmm. sinned. No, right, but he says, you. I acknowledge my sin to you. Oh. I didn't cover my iniquity. That may not be Psalm 51. It may be somewhere oh, else. Gosh, we're all over the place now. <laughs> Sorry. Don't try to embarrass me. It's in the Bible. I acknowledge somewhere my sin. Between I didn't those cover my iniquity. And I think, I think that's where in the heart, right? Like you want, you confess it to God. But if you've been freed from it, there is, there, there is a sense where your shame toward others dissipates in some sense as well right like if if you're if you're willing to not cover your iniquity Mm. then your thoughts about it are not that you love it that you coddle it Mm -hmm. that like you're you're glad to say to someone else i that's not me Mm. if that makes sense maybe (laughs) yeah the you're gonna have to qualify like three different words i think in that introductory in the introduction (laughs) of that question so we we get the whiteboard Yeah, honestly, we drag drag the whiteboard. So are there cases where the sin is against God and man, yet the sinner is cleansed and the covering of sin, which is, it's it's been done away with, like covering, not hiding. The sin has been dealt with. Yes. In in a eternal judicial way. Yes. But the reality is that, was, that had happened already. Right. But you're coming to commit that exactly. sin. Yeah, yeah. The sin is against God and man. Of course. And yet the covering, the forgiveness, the repentance granted by God in that moment means that it's dealt with and there's no man-to-man confession. And we wouldn't, I'm saying, is there a category that exists yeah, that sure. would label that not sinful to not go and confess? but rather that's merciful and that's God's administration of his mercy. Yeah, of course, but the the but here is in regard to what is that yeah, the very... The ethic the then sin, drills itself the down. The sin makes a difference, right? <clears throat> so for instance, one of the simplest, I think, methodologies for public repentance, and public repentance goes from anything to the one-to-one to the I've got to stand on stage and, I mean, as an elder, rebuke another elder publicly mm-hmm. and have him repent to the congregation. Like, that's what the scriptures say. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the public one-to-one is, did I, did I commit an external act? Mm-hmm. And if I committed an external act, then that probably needs to be dealt with. Mm-hmm. But if it's an internal sin, for instance, covetousness, um, internal lust, um, uh, you know, li- things like that. I think those can be repented of between you and the Lord, mm-hmm. and it never need make its way into um, a public form of repentance. Ethic. So my basic thought is, as public as the sin is, so does the repentance need to be. Hmm. So on that episode, why did you categorically say your opinion or the ethic there <laughs> yeah. is that if you are a man that is struggling with pornography, yeah. You know, I prescribed or described a situation that would exist that would say that man has been freed from it 
and God has granted him mercy because he's granted him repentance and he's not driven through guilt yeah. to go and confess. Yeah, I don't think pornography. Guilt, and again, yeah. like you have yeah. to think like the beginning of the episode was, I think we've in a sense bought a lie where we're using, you know, I mean, you started the episode out very conveniently saying that murder is in yeah, the heart. Absolutely. Adultery is in the heart. Yeah. And so, yeah, the, the distinction there, I think, is uh, first of all, I, I would disagree that it's a guilt motivated um, seeking out of reconciliation. I would actually say that it's a that it's a born of grace. Mm. Um, and so, I, but I do think there's a distinction, right? Cause I mean, the distinction between I'm going to repent to you. So like me and you had a, had a verbal, Who? sorry, me and Don <laughs> had a, had a verbal scuff a while back. And in that verbal scuff, it's like, you know, there was a moment where I was like, you know what? I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have said that. Mm. Right. But when I went to you to, to deal with it, it wasn't born of guilt. It was born of reconciliation, mm. right? It's making sure mm-hmm. that all the trespasses that I have between you and me mm-hmm. are settled. Mm. Um, and that, that goes forth for anybody. Now, in regard to- well, What's interesting to, is in that situation, there were two witnesses. There were. And, and I, you, and I you called went them both. to those and yeah. we actually agreed and said, it's more important that you go to those than it was to me because it was so public. Yeah, certainly. Which I just found to be, I mean, it's an interesting, like, it is, yeah, it is an interesting, interesting yeah. way that it works its way out in the life of the believer. Yeah. So I just, I want to add in there, like within the light of the New Testament, yeah. where does conscience come into play? Where does the spirit-led conscience come into play in all of yeah, this? Yeah, I think, I think the spirit-led conscience is going to lead you to, like, for instance, I don't think there was a way out of the, the situation that you and I had mm-hmm. without going to literally everybody present. Yeah, I agree. Um, and but so, that was because of your conscience. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. No, I'm asking. I don't think it was because of my conscience. Okay. I mean, I, I, th- I think it was conviction, and I think it was just an understanding of my the, the sin that I committed was public. And if the sin that I committed was but if public... if it's conviction, that has to deal with your conscience. Yeah, there's, there's got to be connection there. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I, I mean, I, I'll give you that there's a connection there, but I'm saying I don't think... I don't think that prescription changes. Like if someone said, I don't need to do that, I would tell them they were in error. Like what do you mean in that same situation? So exact same situation. Mm-hmm. I would tell them that they were in error and they absolutely need to go and deal with the... Yeah, but, you're, yeah. but, you, but what you're doing is you're... Uh, I'm looking for the word. Like contending with their conscience. I'm like, not. I don't think I am. I, I think what I'm, what I'm demanding and I think what I think is really clear is that we go and reconcile with our brethren. And one of the simplest ways to do that, you know, so I think a lot of times we look at that and we think, ah, uh, well, if I have something against my brother, that means that it's, it's he sinned against me. And that's mm. the only way that I think about it. Mm. I think it really is that there's anything in between my relationship with me and another brother or sister mm. for that matter, that my aim is to reconcile it. And I think one of the easiest ways to do that is yank the darkness off, show it in the light and deal with it from there. Now, in regard to the situation that you placed, which was going back to what I said during the pornography episode, which is I think that it's important that you go and confess that to your spouse. Now, here's a question for you. I I don't think I ever clarified this. Are we dealing with the man who has like watched pornography in the last 24 hours? Are we dealing with the man who watched pornography before he was married? 
Well, I think I think this is. Like, I think that matters. Yeah, no, I agree with yeah. you. I think the example that we're using, and I mean, you know, we're not getting into pornography today. I mean, this is. Yeah, a, I don't. The, I, but, yeah. I, but I think to, yeah, to blame it on the go man. Back and watch that one. Yeah, Listen but to, that but one, to blame sorry. it on the man, I think you know. Yeah, yeah. I think I read you know it's like sixty three percent of women now. You know, and I think that's even yeah. relative to the Christian experience. Yeah. As, as weird as that is, like are now have either used and that's once, not even taking into account Game of Thrones, right? Like <laughs> once, like have, have the looked books. at. Like looked at pornography, so yeah. I mean, if it's sixty three percent, like you would have to think that it's prevalent in a form of temptation. So it just yeah. makes me think, like, are there people not maybe not have looked at it in the past twenty four hours, but have fallen, yeah, been convicted because there's shame and guilt there. Of course, dealt with that with the Lord, yeah. and it was not a habitual, perpetual sin, and it has been dealt with. And so there, therein lies the freedom, and it's it's mercy demonstrated to the perpetrator, to the offender, and it's also grace and mercy to the one who would be so hurt by it. And so I think, like you know, therein lies, I guess the the dilemma. I think in the difference, yeah, and through, through what is possible. And so I, you know, I'm definitely saying, like when we started the conversation off in Galatians six one, it's hard for us to not wrap our minds around sin that has been caught. Because I think that's our perspective yeah. is, well, I know about it, so they should go do it. But there seems to be a category in which, like, there is a difference between sin publicly exposed through catching someone Certainly. in it and sin which is dealt within the inside of the heart of man. Because the Lord says, I will always provide the way out of temptation. And so if you take that, is there victory there? Repeat that, sorry. So the Lord says, I will provide the way out of temptation. Certainly. So if you take that yeah. and you don't continue to eat of the fruit, yeah. you know, is there victory to take that? And what does that victory look like? I guess that's where my mind is. If you have someone who stumbles and falls and is immediately repentive of it. Well, freedom, from the, freedom from the temptation in that situation isn't, isn't dealing with the man who has committed the trespass. It's dealing with the grace of God and providing deliverance from temptation. Right. And so going back to the i'm just taking that argument a bit further yeah, yeah saying, I, I get, saying does this category yeah exist? like I, you know there's an umbrella right to stand under is kind of the whole picture right. of that it's like <clears throat> there is a way for you to escape this and i think the lord has given us various means to flee from sin um but i think one of the simplest ways is by delighting in all the things that he's given us in their prescribed manner mm-hmm. right um but dealing with the the re, the repentive um the repentive heart we're dealing, I think really what we're dealing with is like the primary and the secondary, mm-hmm. right? Because the primary repentance is to the Lord. And that's, yeah. that's immediate. That's, that's the, you can't land at a godly secondary repentance if you don't first land at a true repentance toward that's the Lord. Right. So if you walk up to somebody and you say, I'm sorry, I mean, I, my goodness, uh, probably every child knows this. I can count on, I, no, let me rephrase, I could not tell you how many times I said, Mom, I'm sorry. Mm. I didn't mean a lick of it. I remember my dad one time looking at me and telling me, you feel that 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 uh, weight in your heart, that <laughs> conviction of the Spirit? And I straight looked back at him and I was like, yep. <laughs> didn't at all. <laughs> didn't at all. I lied to his face. And in my and, But the whole thing was, I'm going to say I'm sorry, mm. and then I'm going to continue in my sin because I had not experienced mm-hmm. the true repentance that leads to uh, a repentance that makes its way out vertically. Mm. Um, and that's, that's what I think has to be. Horizontally. 
Sorry, yeah, forgive me, horizontally. Um, and so in regard to the the man who has fallen, mm. and I think let, let's even take the guy, let's, let's make it clear, right? We can make it drunkenness. We can make it uh, pornography. You can make it lying. I mean, it doesn't, mm. it doesn't, you know, mm. let's, it doesn't have to be a, a, you know, a grand air quote sin. Mm. Um, if I've committed a sin against my brother um, or my sister, then I think that what is most most clear and reasonable is that my repentance goes first and foremost to the Lord, but I, I find it rare, especially if it makes it outside in a, in a clear concrete way that sin's been committed. Yeah. Caught. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Um, that it doesn't go and reconcile. Right. Agreed. So it's like root and fruit. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, when you think about confession of sin to our brothers and sisters, like if we sin against them, it's it shows in some sense it shows a lack of trust in our brothers and sisters and in yeah. the Lord mm. if we if we say I'm not going to confess that to them because mm. I don't know what they'll do with it. Mm. It's like we don't actually trust that we're not believing the best about them, right? That we, assuming the best, assuming graciously, mm. and we're not believing that God can use that confession for our mutual edification. Yeah, but remember, yeah. my category here is not self-justification of course not like like it's asking does god in the heart of the repentant believer give them full and lasting forgiveness and freedom where there's no reconciliation And, and and i think i think we would have to say like we've already said yes in some sense the 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 internal sins you know that aren't caught or exposed but then it's just an interesting conversation about the ethic yeah, I always think of like, like godly how that grief. Works like, itself I out. think if if we have been justified, then we have godly grief, and I think that's a mm-hmm. lifestyle of godly grief that leads to true repentance. Yeah. So I think the question we're asking is, what is true repentance? Mm-hmm. If true repentance always has to involve confessing to another, and that's where I'm kind of like, that's where I I feel like I lean heavily on conscience, and and I don't know that we all agree on that. Yeah. So my thing is like the verse that comes to mind is bearing fruit in keeping with repentance. And I think yeah. what it's ultimately leaning, leaning into is what does that ethic look like? Like, mm-hmm. what does that fruit look like? And I, I don't think any situation, you know, anything that you said, Lawson, that I disagreed with, it's, to me, what it goes back to is um, several Bible stories came to mind and thinking about, and I've talked to several members like y'all have, I'm sure, throughout the week. And so this is kind of woven into the, just the body life of like certain individuals. And so I've just like cut and paste text conversations. And I thought this is a great way to have like a biblical ethics conversation based on not hypotheticals. Cause this is the difficulty we ended up coming up with like hypotheticals. You're like, well, does that really exist? Does it not really yeah, exist? Well, right, these right, are right. like, hey, these are historical Christian figures. Yeah, <laughs> right. They're written in the pages of scripture. So let's look at the ethic. Let's figure out how this works itself out. So, um, Christ telling the woman at the well that you've had five husbands is the fact her first husband wasn't dead. So she's living as an adulterer and confessedly so. Question is, upon conversion, she would be living under a new ethic. What is the ethic? She can't get it back in the bottle. And Paul instructs us in the ethic in, and it's in 1 Corinthians seven seventeen. I won't read it to us, but it's like, you know, let the person lead the life that the Lord has assigned yeah, to him. Yeah, wherever they were when they yeah, were Yeah, wherever they so. were when they were called, right? So this category of adulterer, as long as the first husband is living, is God's law, and it still stands. So human courts may grant a divorce, 
but the category adulterer still stands in his court. People today are living in the light of his forgiveness, yet are unreconciled, humanly speaking, while living in divorce. That's fascinating to me. I mean, think about this. Like, think Christ says to her, yeah, you've had, I think it's, uh, if I'm quoting it right, you've had five husbands. Five husbands isn't your husband. husband. Like, you're an adulterer. And upon the new birth, like I think she uh, she's been granted a position to say all of this is in a sense still visible, but it's washed. <laughs> it is, dude. Yeah. You're a new creation, indeed. So legalists, the Sadducees and Pharisees would have still called her an adulterer. Yeah, but she was welcomed into the kingdom. Not Clint. identified by her sins, no, but identified bro. by Christ's righteousness. Ah, oh, that's so good. Certainly. <laughs> Thanks, Lawson. I'm glad you get excited Dwight about K. that. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't understand. Sorry. My certainly is I don't understand the connecting point. The connection. Point. That's fair. So we're going. All right. So sometimes we sin against man or a sister or a brother in this way. Christians divorce? Question mark. Sure. Sure. Yet the sinner, if in Christ, is reconciled to God while being divorced, which is to be unreconciled. Like, work that out. What the... Like, I mean, the act of divorce is a visible symbol of unreconciliation. Like, I'm not being reconciled to you. I have differences in my heart with you. Yeah, whether that... I mean, at least in the United States, since the 80s, you could have unreconcilable differences, which is literally the primary cause of divorce, primary official reason of divorce today. So how do we welcome them into the church? But there seems to be, that's what I'm getting at, there seems to be a world in which we live in currently where there's not been one-to-one reconciliation. Right. But yet, like, the Lord evidently with a visible divorce has granted that person peace and repentance without being reconciled to the one who they chose to be unreconciled to. I mean, certainly. I mean, I, I, I don't, once again, I'm having trouble connecting the dots here, but maybe that's just my ignorance. But, I mean, we would gladly... Am I making sense? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm with Lawson on, like, the connection. Like, I think, yeah, we, we live in that world where there is some lack of reconciliation so yeah, let, me, I, let me just clear I, I, the air like yeah. we're clearing the air like the the example <laughs> of pornography has left us yeah I, yeah I'm, okay. I'm, we're with yeah. you on that so we're just looking through like the biblical ethic of how do you bear fruit in keeping with repentance like jesus didn't say to her go back and find your first husband yeah, and marry yeah, him. yeah 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 that's what i'm getting that's where or i'm go at back and like yeah him. so it seems like the conscience is spirit-led in informing obedience to mm-hmm. the christian ethic of, key, of bearing fruit in keeping with repentance. Because yeah. how can you have someone who has gone through a divorce, which is an act of unreconciliation, but yet be in good standing in their local church, well, I mean, other than can, that have been forgiven for yeah, that? You can carry this to literally any sin. Yes. Because there's no one who should be, I mean, if, we, if we're keeping record of every reconciliation or every sin committed, and therefore every state or every unreconciled relationship then no one could ever be a member of a church period right right? like we couldn't be here right um but that's that's maybe where i'm where i'm missing it obviously i think that the reconciliation that christ provides is first and foremost Mm -hmm. 
And I do think that's where you see that worked out most clearly inside the congregation, because here's, here's the catch 22. Mm-hmm. If someone were to walk inside of this church and want to be a member here and they come in blasting, speaking hatred and vitriol toward another like-minded faith family, I, I would, I would not vote to allow them to be a member of our congregation until mm-hmm. they had reconciled with their previous church. Would you agree that it's someone who comes in being hateful and being, um, being coarse and speaking publicly about another like-minded faith family, especially if we know them well, um, if they come in, that they should not be granted membership. I don't like your example. It's a, it's a really good example because it's a really, it's a really practical example. Yeah. I mean, I, I just feel a slippery slope of like, we allow people to be members who have sin in their heart. Right. Like, right. Like, yeah, of course we're always repenting. Yeah. I definitely think it would need to be addressed and there yeah. would need to be a testimony yeah, yeah. towards there's, that. And there's like, a vast, there's a vast yeah. difference from the guy who comes in repentive of the fact that he's a liar and the guy who comes in saying there's nothing wrong with me and everything's wrong. Yeah, the verse the that comes to yeah, mind yeah, is like, so, that. so, yeah. so, uh, like as much as it depends on you, yeah. Like live I, a piece with everyone so long yeah. as it depends upon you. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think there's two parties there, but I mean, I'm, I appreciate it. <laughs> so this, this found its way into premarital counseling. So premarital counseling, uh, what, what y'all's thoughts on like the biblical ethic on, so taking this woman as an example, right? She's made new, like she's a new creation. So, and we had this like happen within our midst. I never even thought about this, but I was like, I encouraged the the brother. I I pulled him aside and I said, "Hey, you know, before you got married, like, did you did you go through kind of like where you were before you knew Christ and like what you met, you know, quote unquote, the baggage that uh you know you might be bringing into the marriage because as it as it turns out, the testimony here wasn't that you know this was I, I'm I'm not bringing virginity into the marriage. There's been some mistakes there. And this individual, sin. yeah, sin, sorry. And sorry. this individual was, you know, it was like, uh, actually adultery, if you want to just call it what it is. Um, so, you know, it was like. Not an affair. Yeah, not an affair. <laughs> adultery. Could be fornication? <laughs> it could be. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it could be. It is. It is. So, and it's like, yeah, you know, I actually unpacked that. You know, I was like, wow, you know, good. And I think like, you know, Lawson's perspective was, and mine as well, like I don't see any harm in that. Yeah. But it could be harmful. And so yeah. it's like, where do you, you know, how specific are you? You know, what is what? detailed there? Hold on. And let me say this. <laughs> we can't interrupt each other. You literally this just stuck your agreement. finger up at me. <laughs> yeah, because it can't talking. come across. Okay, I was ahead. talking. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I'm a victim. <laughs> <laughs> We're all victims here. <laughs> hey, what's your intersectionality for? Oh, God. Y'all call me. <laughs> <laughs> all right, go ahead. I need comfort. So I was like, you know, it's, it's to me, it's such a powerful concept to, to see the woman at the well, right? And how she is totally and completely made new. Mm. And so I was like, what's the ethic there? You know, is that, I don't think there's anything wrong with admitting and confessing past sexual sins, but I also believe there has to be some like thought within the heart of the believer that I have actually been made new. And so like, I am a new creation coming in. And so how much credence do I give to what I once was? Cause I am no longer, I am no longer that which I once was, which is the sexually immoral. Well, I think one of the simplest ways to think about this is there are people inside this congregation that you would never believe their past. Mm. Like there, there are people that 
Yeah, you're talking to one, but go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I know, but I mean, but it's like, but I, I think about the people that I most look up to that I want to imitate in the faith that are fathers and mothers, and I and I know I know their background, like I know who they were before they met the Lord, hmm. and I think about that, and I'm thinking, how in the world can anyone go from that to who they are today? And that's where I think it actually, it, the, I think the answer to your question is yes. Um, there should be an understanding of who we were apart from Christ so that we can, I think, all the more um, clearly understand the radical nature of conversion and the new birth. Mm. And so, for instance, um, when I think of who I was apart from Christ, I think the, the person who got the best front row seat to this was my sister. Because mm. we used to, when we, we rode to school together, she saw who I was. You know, you hide from your parents, but you don't hide from your siblings. Right. And, um, and so, like, my sister got to watch who I was. And to this day, if you asked her um, if she ever thought I would have been standing in a pulpit, mm. much less a member of a church, when I was, you know, 15 years old, mm. 14 years old, she would have said, by no means. Mm. But I, but I do well to remember who I was, mm-hmm. uh, not, not under the guise of guilt and shame. Mm-hmm. Certainly, I feel ashamed of the things, you know, like going mm-hmm. back to Romans. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, think, I think there's confidence in remembering who I was and how radical the grace of Christ is to change me. Mm-hmm. And I want the people closest to me to be brought into the image of Christ's radical work in my life. Mm-hmm which sometimes has me unveil mm-hmm. um, other parts of my life. Also, it allows me to comfort those with the same comfort I've been comforted mm-hmm. with from Second yeah. Corinthians. Yeah, I think too, like when you think about like sin has consequences and our consequences eternally have been dealt with. Agreed. Right? But there are yeah. consequences in this life uh, that happen, you know, as a result of sin, consequences that you don't even imagine what happened Mm. right like years down the road and i think we have to understand that that is a reality and trust that the lord uses those things for our good Mm. romans 8 would promise us that like somebody knocking on your door and there'd be a baby sitting there (laughs) yeah i mean like like, there are yeah yeah yeah. hey i wove it be proud of me look at you thank you all right so this. this individual texts back and said that's an interesting idea that she would still be living as an adulterer right her community would still perceive that it's and it's and i said to him i said it's why i press you on being a new creation and this individual says i mean that applies for all sin correct and i said well i mean you know there are divorced people at at churches sure you know? and Absolutely. so he says does that same ethic apply to the murderer of course mm. it does. And I was like, bro, I was like, doesn't it ultimately matter what their position is in Christ? If you're divorced after being a Christian, it's the ultimate move of unreconciliation. But you can live in the light of present forgiveness and be cleansed, confessing to God and never be reconciled back to the human. Definitely will be earthly, earthly consequences sure. lived out. Murder convicted would face the consequences of the law. Now, I'm not talking about, I mean, definitely you're God's law. You're talking about the judicial system like the in America. American yeah. judicial system. Yeah. <laughs> And he says, what do you mean? He's like, what do you mean? I said, I said, can they have forgiveness? I was like, certainly. Yeah. But I said, how about Apostle Paul? Like, it's just interesting, right? Like, yeah. categorically, we don't think of him as a murderer. Yeah. 
It was really cool when we were angsty teenagers to be like, Paul wouldn't be allowed in this church. <laughs> I told you that when we were talking you about did. this. I told Lawson about that. And I was like, that has made the biggest and lasting. Like they read his resume. Yes, yes, bro. <laughs> He's I like, killed this guy yes, named Steven. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, as cliche yeah. and real, goofy though, it yeah. is, as it is, it's so real. It yeah. strikes at my conscience. But I like think how powerfully cleansing the blood of Christ yeah, is. Yeah, I do think we, just as a side on this, I think we have a danger of taking people that have really, 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 really really sketchy backstories and immediately prompting them up when they're converted. I don't know if you've ever noticed this. Well, I mean, in this case, it's like we've I know it's dedicated ourselves to the breaking of bread and to the apostles' teaching. Yeah, yeah, it's different. But I'm saying, <laughs> but I'm saying, like, if I had a dollar, it's like, oh, look, Bishop so and so just come in if here. I, if I had a dollar for every for everybody who came in to give their testimony when they had murdered seventy six people and they were converted, oh yeah, I mean, they I were converted yeah, two days. I'm, not, I'm, yeah, I'm just saying, like, yeah, I see yeah. that happen. It's like we, we love a shock. Story. That's right. That's right. Yeah. 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 Like I, I think it was a what's his name. Wow. He took over for R.C. Sproul at, at the at uh, Dustin Binge. No, no that's real good. Um, Burke Pearson. Burke Parsons. Yeah, that's just a weird name. He said, "I hope." He said, "I hope my children have really boring testimonies." Yeah, true. And it's like sign Amen, me up for bro. that. <laughs> anyway, Amen. all right, all right. So Paul was a murderer pre-conversion. Uh, self-righteous. Yeah, I mean the list goes on. All right, so I'm just I'm using like ethics yeah, in the sure. sense of like sure. how, how it strikes at our conscience. Yeah. So like uh, David was a murderer while converted. I mean, he was a believer who committed yeah, murder. and an adulterer. Yes. Yeah. Moses. Liar. He was a murderer. Yeah, true. And a murderer. Killed That's him. true. Yeah. Killed the Egyptian. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's crazy how we than, forget these yeah, things. Yeah, I think like worse than that, he, he, struck, he struck the rock when he was told to speak to it. But <laughs> so this individual says that is currently married says, with me knowing the truth about divorce, if I got divorced, would I be condemned? Like, like damned? Yeah, that's what he said. Does, and he, like, does he know Jesus? This is what I said. I said, if you're angry in your heart with your brother, you've committed murder. So listen, let's not even talk about like actually functioning the divorce. Oh, okay. If you've... All right, here, so here's where I'm at. Oh. If you're angry in your heart with your brother, you've committed murder. And guys, let me just tell you, I'm ashamed to say it, but I text him. I said, I've been that mad at Julie before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, wouldn't fantasizing about divorce be divorce? It would be. So, am I condemned? I'm not. I don't know if I'm carrying that one. Right. That's it's it. It's in the heart. In it your is heart. in the heart. It's hatred in the heart. No, I agree that I agree with the murder. Yeah, but I mean, if it's taking the same ethic, yeah, but we're, of, yeah, of murder I'm just, and yeah, yeah, desire I'm, I'm gives saying, birth to sin. Yeah, and it's I'm, like it's. I, I'm des- just saying we're going outside the clear teaching of scripture. Indeed, to say we're so, applying the scripture. So y'all, y'all can speak where the Bible <laughs> silent. The I'll shut my mouth. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is so funny that I was in the. I thought I was going to be in the minority. Oh, I, uh, all right. So no, I mean, oh no, I I'm I'm okay standing by myself. So I said, me too. So I said, I am like I'm I in the middle? Am I condemned? Literally, and so I asked this person if yeah. I've been that mad, am I condemned? So I'm answering this individual question about if he desires or even functions the divorce, is he condemned? I said, am I condemned? I said, the sin is judgment has been satisfied and I hate that sin. I never want to be angry with her again. And I strive to never be. Right. Yes right. and amen. But in Christ, look, we have a thing called church discipline where, right? Yeah, go for it. Like where, where if, if this converted man comes to us and said, I'm getting a divorce, yeah. we'll say, 
no, you're not. Right. And then he'll be like, yeah, I am. And then we'll be like, all right, come with me. We're going to go tell him, no, he's not. Right. And we'll get all the way to the point where if he says he is, is he damned? He's excommunicated at bare minimum. But the issue, the issue of church discipline is what was he never in Christ? I mean, the question is he was never in Christ. Yeah. It comes back to an unrepentant heart is a demonstration of lack of belief on Jesus. Indeed. Yeah, so it's not It's not like, oh, now that you've been excommunicated, you're cut off from Christ. We're saying... <laughs> you were never... You were never in Christ. Him. Yes. An unrepentant heart reveals that Indeed. they do not know the Lord. All right, so let's, let me throw this one at you. So what if said wife was I knew you were unfaithful... Gonna do this. I knew you were going to do this. And he says, I want a divorce. Now what? So now we have to get into the discussion of permanence and semi-permanence. Yeah, I don't know that that's super clear in the scriptures. Go ahead, Lawson. Say what you said to me. All right, so I think there's two ways to understand this. (laughs) So first, uh, let's play out your scenario. Okay. Is the wife repentive? Yes. Okay. She's broken. Broken. First, let's let's get the economy right. She's gone to the Lord. Yep. She's broken. She was caught in it. Okay. And so, therefore, it's public. It's exposed to all. Yeah. And she's now asking for the same forgiveness and repentance to the offended party mm-hmm. that she's already been granted by the Lord. So yeah. she's cleansed in totality. I love blood totality, of Jesus. Blood of Jesus. And now she's looking at the husband, and the husband says, I want a divorce. And I believe, based on the scriptures, he has the biblical grounds to do that. So you... so. Let's let's do this really quickly collectively because this just has to be understood. There's probably going to be people listening to this who are going to fall into different views yeah. of the exemption clauses. And yeah. if they remember, we're going to change the name after this episode. Yeah, yeah, so airs it's going to be but so, but so, <laughs> but so, as long as, so I've got a new name for the podcast too. Oh, no. So so when we when we're when we're when we're dealing with this hypothetical, we need to understand that to, to understand where where Don's kind of walking us that you need to embrace an understanding, even if you don't in reality, you need to embrace the understanding that there is an exemption clause and that the exemption clause is adultery. Okay. Yep. If we accept that, then we can understand the, the, the hypothetical that's being laid out here. Um, cause if you don't, then this is really easy and the answer is no. Right. right? Um, but so if that, if that woman was repentive, she went to her husband, she repented to him, she longed for reconciliation, and the husband says, because I think this is really where it comes down to, the husband refuses to forgive. Mm. And, in, and in his refusal to forgive, says, I'll put her away. Mm. Now, here's what that reveals about him, and mm. this is unquestionable. Yeah. It reveals he's heart of heart. Yep. I mean, that's Matthew 6. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it reveals he's heart of heart, heart of heart of heart. Wow, that was hard to say. Uh, That's a lot of hearts. <laughs> that was a lot of hearts. Um, Do you really believe that in your heart of heart? Yeah. <laughs> but, but so then, this is, this is where I get, at what point do you place him under church discipline if he refuses to reconcile? I mean, that's what I'm saying. Matthew 6 says, like, if we don't forgive, yeah. then we don't have his forgiveness. Yeah. And so I, I said quickly uh, that, I think it's it's perfectly reasonable to place him under church discipline. And I disagreed with him yeah. when we were having this conversation. <laughs> I said, are you saying that he is given, granted permission by God's revealed will, and yet we're going to hold him accountable that he is in sin and therefore hold him under church discipline? It seems like he's got the biblical mandate yeah. to send her away with a certificate of divorce, and he actually has the ability to go fruitfully be remarried. Why are we why are we doing this podcast on marriage and remarriage and divorce 
instead of <laughs> instead of what instead of the subject material that we're on it's this the, is, it's the this biblical is the more ethic. dangerous podcast <laughs> it is um, <laughs> <laughs> welcome to Lawson Arlo Baptist Church <laughs> but but all that to say because there's the, the catch 22 here is important like my, the reason I hold to that is not because he does not have the right assuming that you embrace the the exemption clause the issue is he's refusing to forgive and be ready to forgive and not get mar- not stay married to her. It that's, seems that's a different that conversation. Seems like a fair question. It is, it is that's a super, what, that's what's it's a super fair question. Yeah. It's a super yeah, but, fair because question because I think the same category applies to the divorced couple. Like they've fallen out. They're they're demonstrating in that relationship that they're unreconciled, but can they look back on that and be grieved and repent of yes. repentant yeah. in yeah, that absolutely. and I think so. living in the consequence of that reality? Right brokenness because you're always and forever going to be divorced from an individual yes but yet be forgiven of it yes and not uh, uh, is it all tying together now but this is an important but this is a really important point especially because i know that we have people who are divorced that are listening to this right the the important note is like certainly i i I imagine that many of the people who would listen to this were may have been divorced when they were unconverted and many may have been divorced when they were converted but i think for the for the unconverted first it's like you live as you were called and once you've made a covenant, you're, you are called to live inside of that yep. covenant to the glory of God. That person is your husband or yep. wife, and you are to honor the Lord inside of that marriage. So regarding regarding no one according you can to the flesh. Be, that's right. That's right. What? Sorry? Right. What'd you say? Like, we're not regarding them according to the flesh. Like, they're a new, yeah, a yeah, new yeah. person, a new man. Certainly. And then for the one who was divorced in, inside of their, after conversion, um, I, I think you're right to mourn that. Mm. Um, the covenant's been broken and perhaps it was your fault. Like perhaps you were the party at fault. Well, praise be to God, there is enough grace in Christ Mm. to cover that. Mm. And that should you be remarried is probably a conversation that could be had in a different situation. But if you are currently remarried, then you are in the exact same position. You love your spouse to the glory mm. of God. You lead them. You submit to them depending on your gender. And from, <laughs> and, and from there, you are called to honor the Lord as one who is rightly married to that individual. Mm. Because here's what I hear. I've, I've, I've counseled this situation where someone comes in and says, but I'm divorced and I've remarried and, I've, and I heard some idiot on YouTube tell me that now I'm damned because mm. I'm remarried. Mm. I've picked up those pieces before. Yeah. And and th- we must never say that. All right, so that leads me to the reply from this individual. He says, how can we be so sure of these eternal consequences and still have confidence? And I said, here's what I said, because God is just and we deserve hell. <laughs> we know the payment, Jesus Christ, and who the Son yeah, set the free is free point. indeed. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 I mean, how can we have confidence at all? I've right. sinned this morning <laughs> right. and this afternoon, and I'll sin later today. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like yeah, I, no, I get it. I, I find it funny. I actually it's... just sin coveting um, my calves. N- uh, <laughs> no, your thighs. Thighs. <laughs> your your. I, I was just saying. I, I was going to say. I was going to say your your grits and uh, 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 I looked over at you and, and I thought you said I'm going to sin tonight. And then I was thinking, oh, I he's wonder if gonna he's going to be gonna a glutton. I wonder if he's going to eat that. That was my it's first my birthday. Thought. I'm having hot wings. All right. All right. So mm. the the conversation continues. When the devil accuses, what does he accuse? He accuses the sinner. It does. Of what? Of sin. Of law-breaking. Of penalty. Mm. Doubt. That salvific grace isn't sufficient. I think those are the weapons. I think those are the weapons that he accuses with. Mm. I think he's accusing based upon sin, but he uses the weapon. Because the spirit convicts of sin. 
Yeah. Right? And the fruit to be born out of that conviction is reconciliation to God. Yeah. And there's an ethic that flows out to man. Yeah. But when Satan accuses, it's to either cause doubt mm-hmm. or to say that the fear. blood isn't sufficient say to bring fear. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, condemned and yeah. condemned in judgment. So I said, he, so this individual says, because knowing how sinful I am, the devil could present a dang good case of why I should be tossed into the fire. And here I got one for you. Okay. Romans 8 says he can't. I know. Hey, man. That's what I was I said, bro, what's up. crazy is we agree with penalty and judgment, yeah. but we preach justification in Christ. And not only that, y'all ready for this? We're counter righteous. Amen. The debt's paid. Yeah. And we rich. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, say it again, but say it it with with flavor. Debt's paid and we rich. All right, there we go. That's a little bit better. (laughs) Yeah. All right. I mean, we're not going to confession. That's where I'm like, Yeah. we're not worried about dying with mortal sins. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, of course not. I think that that is so rich, to use your word. Yeah. Like, we have to be reminded of that. Yeah. Because it's one thing to be like, to have sin paid for, to be like considered guiltless, but then like when you're imputed the richness, yes. like the riches yeah. of Christ, you're it's like, bro, that's a whole new paradigm shift. Like not that she wasn't at the woman at the well, not even considered adulterer anymore and that her relationship was restored, but yet she was counted to be righteous yeah. in all her ways. Like that's crazy to me. Judicially. Judicially. Yeah. It, which is an important distinction. Right. The one judge that matters. Sure. Yeah. Sure. All right. So Esau, there's no amount of earthly grief, remorse, and earthly reconciliation that can equal what God grants us in Christ Jesus before we did anything good or bad. What I love about Esau, too, is there's no amount of worldly riches that can equal the inheritance we have in Christ. Preach it. You, why don't you preach that tonight instead? I know. Because we'll get there eventually. Oh, you're right. Sorry. <laughs> like next year. Um. Yeah, hard yes. Okay. Are we going to talk about this? <laughs> yeah, so it's interesting because it seems Esau was <laughs> so reconciled to Jacob. Yeah. Although Jacob was the one who sinned against Esau, but was but was guilty of deceiving him, yet it was a blessing and Jacob keeps it. <laughs> Work that out, fellas. Grace. <laughs> Here's the rest of the episode. It's going to be like grace. the Uno wild card, and we're just going to call it Grace. <laughs> yeah. It just trumps everything. But Boom, Grace. <laughs> I think Esau's case is the one that's so interesting because... Esau's repentance looks more genuine than Jacob's does. does. Because Esau's the one that meets him on the road, and Jacob's like, bro, I'm scared to be around my brother. He's going to kill us. Yeah. Send these people ahead first and see what happens. You know, he's like, he's like you're, he's the throwing dice his hat lives. in the door. You know, that old, that old you know, if your wife's yeah. mad at you, throw your hat in the door. If it comes back out, you don't go in. Like, that's what he's doing. Uh, that's a new one for me, though. Yeah, that's new for me, too. Uh, all right. I'm just older. <laughs> Is this like a cowboy hat kind of thing? It's yeah. got a spin, yeah, like yeah, a frisbee? Like, psh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. All right. So there is a Christian ethic that flows out of our love for God and being reconciled to him. Yet in the case of Jacob and Esau, it's messier than what we sometimes care to admit. I'm sorry. I need you to repeat that again. There is a Christian ethic that flows out of our love for God and being reconciled to him. Yet in the case of Jacob and Esau, it's a bit messier than what we sometimes care to admit. I agree with the caveat that messy is a buzzword that's used to say sin's not that big of a deal. Oh no, I'm saying it's a huge deal. Yeah, yeah he, I agree. His is like real messy, like a like a bomb. Never mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's everywhere. Culturally, like a bomb, like a ketchup bomb. 
like a food fight. <laughs> and we act wow. like it's not all dripping around us. Uh, what? Oh, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's graphic. I hate ketchup. Um, <laughs> Me too. Like, Even more now. Thank uh, you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think understanding sin leads you to the understanding that it is, as you've noted, messy and not in the, oh, you have a messy life like in a, in a, in a pretty way. It's an ugly no. messy. There's a it's path ugly of brokenness death, mess, behind messy, you. Yeah. yeah. And there, and there, and there really is. And I mean, I think even maybe for the Christian, we look back and there's a reason that Paul says of the fruit that you were getting of which you are now ashamed. Mm-hmm. We look back on not only the sin that we've committed, but we look at the repercussions of mm-hmm. it. And, and that, that those repercussions are real and, um, consequences. And, yeah. Real, not eternally, but you live. Yeah, yeah. 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 Certainly. Uh, so Abraham's obedience to sacrifice Isaac. So sure. just another character working out ethic. <laughs> so his obedience to sacrifice Isaac wouldn't have been sin. Any other case of taking a life and it's murder, but God being God calls the thing obedience and thus isn't sin. God would have raised Isaac from the dead and Abraham believed God. How do we reconcile this to a Christian ethic without seemingly contradicting the revealed word? Oh, God. <laughs> If you could try to make your questions more succinct, that'd be super helpful. Like so why would word. Abraham killing Isaac be an act of worship instead <laughs> yeah. of murder? Well, All right, so I've got the answer. Let me just get to it. So <laughs> Abraham Abraham knew that it was unlawful to kill another human being, but he obeyed God's will to sacrifice Isaac. Would Abraham have been just to refuse, citing the revealed will of God not to murder? This, was, this, is, this is his Rahab in sin for hiding the, this yeah, is the same question. Right. So Abraham would have committed sin had he refused to sacrifice Isaac and yes. then looking to God's secret will would have, been, would have acted counter to his revealed one. I think the answer to that is yes. Yeah. That's I mean, from Absolute Predestination by Jerome Zankius, which is a great Italian Protestant reformer. Oh. He goes on to say, because God's child. will, here it is. <laughs> You're interrupting me and I'm going to get phone calls. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so because God's will of precept may in some instances appear to thwart his will of determination, it Ooh. does not follow either, number one, that he mocks his creatures, or number two, that they are excusable for neglecting to observe his will of command. Man is not excusable for ne- neglecting God's will of command. Pharaoh was faulty and therefore justly punishable for not obeying God's revealed will, though God's secret will rendered that obedience impossible. Abraham would have committed sin had he refused to sacrifice Isaac, and in looking to God's secret will would have acted counter to his revealed one. So Herod, Pontius Pilate, and the reprobate Jews were justly condemned for putting Christ to death inasmuch as it was a most notorious breach of God's revealed will, thou shalt not murder. Yet in slaying the Messiah, they did no more than God's hand and his counsel, his secret ordaining will determined before uh, should be done, and Judas is justly punished for perfidi... I don't even know that word. Spell it. Perfidi... I don't know. Look at that. It's P-E-R-F-I-D... Perfidiously? Perfidiously. Man, I had to line that What does that, that mean? And wickedly betraying Christ, though his... It's got a negative per- connotation. I, I know. Tell you <laughs> though his perfidy and wickedness were, but not, with, but not with his design, subservient to the accomplishment of the decree and word of God. The brief of the matter is this. So he's going to get brief for us. Oh, good. Secret things belong to God, and those that are revealed belong to us. Therefore, when we meet with a plain precept, we should simply endeavor to <coughs> obey it without tearing to inquire into God's hidden purpose. 
after a venerable booster, after taking notice how God hardened Pharaoh's heart and making some observations on the apostle's simile of a potter and his clay, adds that though God has at least the same right over his creatures and is at liberty to make them what he will and direct them to the end that pleaseth himself according to his sovereign and secret determination, yet it by no means follows that they do not act freely and spontaneously or that the evil they commit is to be charged on God. Yeah, the major thing that I wanted to point out there is the difference between primary and secondary causes, which he noted at the end. Yep. All right, so this is Lawson's seven points. <laughs> he didn't even know he sent me a seven-point text. So here it is. I live my life in seven points. <laughs> Seven's kind of short for you. Always like an eight-point. All right. Number one, sin is bad and everywhere. Can we just go quickly through these and then you can hit on what you want to? Well, I mean... Because that's the catch-up analogy. I know, but I don't know how, like, if we're framing this out, the reason that we landed at these seven, or the reason that I landed at these seven, All right, is, so this is this is how we understand sin, repentance, and confession inside of the local church. Okay. All right. That, that, I just need to frame yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. Okay. So, number one, sin is bad and everywhere. Number two, there is no way for me to keep... You put thanks. I was like, for all my sin. And I'm like, that was a typo. That was a typo. What did you mean? <laughs> There's no way for me to keep track of all track my sin. Track of all my sin. Number three, I cannot talk to every person I've sinned against. Hold Number, on, hold on. What? Are you I'm just looking like? back and forth. Oh, I was just making sure that the person who there, thereby objects and says, ah, but the law of God helps me keep track of your sin. The law of God points out that you can't keep track of your sin. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Number four, I must talk with those who I've, who I've willfully sinned against. Mm-hmm. Number five, I must be ready to forgive all those who have sinned against me. Okay. Number six, Christ has dealt with all my sin by his blood and has brought about cosmic reconciliation. Mm, And number seven, the source, knowing the source of all true and lasting forgiveness. Which actually goes with the sixth point, but I wanted seven. I'm kidding, but it really did go with the last point. It's <laughs> the number of completion? Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It is finished. Because um, you have to uh, go back to the top, right? Yeah, the top so, of the episode is, the question is, is there a situation that exists where someone who, in the secret of their heart, commits a sin against God, first yeah. and foremost, and against, against his neighbor, yeah. and is freed from that uh, you know, confession, yeah. if you will, blood covered, and it's considered mercy and not sin. And Lawson said his whole fear in this episode would be that it would perpetuate all right so let me let me let me clarify here because the the what we want to be able to communicate effectively is that the blood of jesus cleanses all sin top to bottom Mm. there is no sin in the in the life of a a christian that has not been paid for whether it be past present or future that means in if we take paul at his word right that means that no matter how much sin we commit the grace of Christ is sufficient to cover it. Yeah, because think what he was charged against. I that, mean, this that, is that's the, the the question. The rhetorical question is the important point. Right. Uh, what shall we say then? Shall we go on saying that grace may increase? And right. the answer is an obvious by no means. Right. Now, everything that we're about to talk about is inside the context of the local church, and really not even just the context of the local church, but in the context of the life of the believer. Mm. There's some things that we need to understand as we interact with sin that I think rightly order our understanding to where. We are repulsed at sin, long to see reconciliation happen on a horizontal platform, which means one to another, mm. all the while embracing and understanding the reality that Jesus has cleansed me in, in totality. Mm. So, in now, reality. Now, let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and say what? Let's walk through them. Oh, you want to walk through each one of them? I think there's two or three in there that are really important to understand. Okay. 
Which ones were you they? You have them you on wrote your them. phone right no, now. No, you tell They're me. Chapter verse. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number one, sin is bad and everywhere. That's the ketchup bomb. Moving on. Number two, there is no way for me to keep track of all my sin. Yeah. So the going back to your, is there are other sins that? Yeah. Mean, if you like unintentional. That's yeah. A category. You cannot keep track of all your, and there right. are unintentional sins. Yeah. Right. Okay. Number three, I cannot talk to every person I've sinned against. True. So, so, like, so hold on. Let me give this. This thing. is a. And this is this. Well, is a, Charles sent out because we've been in this like our producer sent out this hypothetical. And this is where I didn't want to get into hypotheticals for the episode because it's really difficult. Literally the whole thing we did was hypothetical. No, it wasn't. It's biblical character and study on the ethic. A little bit of both. It was like, Mixed so back. what if I steal something? So Charles said, what if I steal something from you <laughs> and you don't know about it and then I get convicted about it and I ask the Lord to forgive me, but yet I'm keeping the thing in which I stole. And so I hey, said to him, your, hold on, hold on. You're I, interrupting me. I have a question me, for him you're that's interrupting important. me. Uh, you see people, he I'll does call you it. i So I said, hey bro, I got a scenario that trumps your scenario. <laughs> and he goes, what? And I said, I'm dead. Now what? <laughs> <laughs> hey, bro, you can keep whatever you stole, Charles. <laughs> but, the, but, but the illustration would, and we can clarify this because we have the writer of the of the of the hypothetical. Right? Did you intentionally steal it or unintentionally steal it? Oh, uh, yeah. And and we would we would disagree, right? Or we would agree that if if he intentionally stole it, yeah, the fruit of repentance is yes. I'm bringing this back to you. Yes. Yes. Unintentionally is like, hey, bro, I think I might have stolen your thing. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want it back now? <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, I accidentally stole your car. So well, you discovered it. I must yeah. talk with those who I've willfully sinned against. Which is, but but this is important. This is this is lasting unity inside of the body of Christ. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I would go back and say, like, I believe it's spirit led. In, in not serving the law in the way in yeah, which it was me, written on tablets. Give me an example where the Spirit would not lead you to reconcile with your brother. I don't have one. Okay. Can you give me an example? No, so I agree with you. And what I'm saying is perfidious means deceitful. Oh, we're trying you. to perfect, or we're trying to protect each other yeah. from being perfidious. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. And like so, we're trying to, re- reconciliation is about us living in the light together. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So we would want to promote reconciliation and bearing fruit in keeping with repentance. Which makes me wonder if there could ever even be a situation where it's like, yeah, don't don't worry about that. Yeah, that that's my thing. Right? It, it seems like it's encouraging you to be perfidious. Yeah, and I, this is where Lawson and I went back. This is back. your new word. Oh. Well, this hey, is where, if you don't use that in your next sermon, I'm, I'm going to dock in. you 10 points. But this is in. where we go back and forth because it's an issue of we living in the light of Galatians 6.1 to say everything is considered to be caught and be publicly exposed. And we would definitely prescribe and never describe a situation. And we all agree that definitely reconciliation and repentance horizontally flows vertically. And if you're like Esau, if you don't have it vertically, then you're just pandering horizontally and you're damned. And so it doesn't really matter if you function within a horizontal economy. If it's not vertically, birth of vertical love, then there's no sense that it would ever, you know, filter out horizontally in those relationships. And so I just think like that's the issue is that's us prescribing a behavior, but I can't help but always consider describing an instance in which I died (laughs) and Charles kept the thing. (laughs) Yeah, no, I get it. Because I also think about like, you know, like it, it never seems legit. And to I would me. wait and I would love what to see you steal from him, Charles. <laughs> yeah. All right. It never seems legit to me when people are like, go up to someone and like, Hey man, like I hated you for 10 years. God. I thought you were the worst person ever. Will you forgive me? <laughs> and it's like, they didn't even know. Lawson said like, it from they the pulpit. Know, yeah. That, 
he did. He was preaching and said it. He said, there's some of y'all in here. And I stand by it. I don't, know why, said, I don't know why I don't know why you think I'm not a, like, I'm glad I to think we need to this. clarify this an inside yeah. joke between yeah. the three of us the audience is now included so Lawson's standing in the pulpit one day and I quote says there's some of you before conversion I couldn't stand I didn't even want to eat at your table and now I look forward to seeing you and love to share a meal and I was like bro not everybody's in that converted category yet. Right. Like you might not should say that. And he has dug his heels in from day I have one. Literally no problem with this. <laughs> no, but you know what I'm saying though. Like I feel like those conversations sometimes are not fruitful. Yeah, that, but that's where we go back to like I think the repentance is as public as the sin is. Now, okay. but at the that's exact great. same time, I've had a brother walk up to me um, in the last three years. I went and preached at his church, which was probably a demonstration of this repentance. And he said, brother, like I had this great grudge against you while we were in seminary and I wanted to, and I wanted to talk to you about this. And we, we had the conversation, we reconciled and now we check on each other on a regular basis and true reconciliation was happened has happened. Right. And so I think but even the, if he didn't call you anyways, it's just so funny. Like yeah, even if like, he didn't call you, it's like, Hey, I appreciate that. But I was like, if he's settled the record with the Lord, then like he could just be nice now. Yeah, That's and live in obedience like, yeah. and be a gift, and it would be mercy. Uh, yeah. So, so can I? Can I? Can I use the Bible? Yeah. We, oh okay. God! Oh, so, what? Hey, so James. So James five. So James five. James five sixteen. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Yeah. And and I think if we if we understand, and this is where you started this trajectory, and it was you know who, you're dealing, who did Blake did sorry um, that you are <laughs> as you are experiencing forgiveness from the Lord, it naturally leads you to reconcile and to to forgive one another, but also to seek forgiveness from one another. That's why those last two points or last couple points are there is because as I understand the forgiveness that's offered me in Christ, my natural desire is to be reconciled to my brother. That's the, re- I think this, this is the reason, right? That we see Paul talk about giving us the ministry of reconciliation or, or God giving us the ministry of reconciliation as those who have been reconciled, we long for reconciliation. And so I, Dealing with the internal sins, I think, is a, is a different animal. But if we're dealing with like... Because that was internal, and that was yeah, a category certainly. that you built and said, yeah, hey, that's, I, that's I a function. But, but, but I will with tell you... Internal is out external, if you go by the Matthew 5 ethic. Yeah. But can, so can we agree that, that when me. you have... When you have... I actually didn't even hear what you said. Um, <laughs> that is, yeah. When, when, but when, but when, he, when he did that, when he broached that subject with me, I had always felt his resentment. Oh. Yeah. I, I really had. I was shocked that he called me to come preach at his church. And instantly, because because going into these next two points, he sought forgiveness and I was so glad to give it because I longed for that reconciliation. I, I didn't want there to be division. And so that that's somebody outside of our local church. And I think you do feel those intern that, that hatred or something of that nature and you may not and if that's the case then that's a different animal but but i'm just simply saying that you're i, I don't think you're ever going to be in error of being ungodly when you go and you ask your brother for forgiveness of sin that you've committed against him yeah i think it, i agree we with agree you. I, think, I think the question is obedience like what is that obedience? yeah so I've, i told you this like for me the question i'm asking is is it godly and if I'm asking myself that question, I, I, I've never asked myself that question and then not gone and asked a brother for, for forgiveness. All right, so we got to move quickly. I must be ready to forgive all those who have sinned against me. You Instantly. covered that one. Christ has dealt with all my sin by his did blood. Did we cover that one? Yeah, you just did an example. 
You should you always said the be brother ready. came to you. You should you always be ready. Forgive. But inside of so th- this church, this podcast, church universal. Is for, this, nope, this <laughs> podcast is for Mercy Hill Church, and this is what if I could if I could articulate one thing to every member of this congregation. It's gonna be like an hour. And you 30 desperately need. You desperately need the grace of Christ in your life. Definitely agreed. That being said, as a as a needy needy soul that see that that longs and desperately needs Jesus's grace. Be quick to bestow grace on your fellow needy saints. Okay. Okay. Christ has dealt with all my sin by his blood and has brought about cosmic reconciliation. Everyone. Okay. Source of all true (laughs) and lasting forgiveness. This is an important one. Yeah. This is where we... This This is is, number seven. Yeah, this is... So, understanding that all of my sin, past, past, present, and future, and this is like the start of this episode when you were like working it out in your mind was the radical nature of the blood of Christ yeah. that, that when let's say it this way, should Stephen have survived his stoning, mm-hmm. there would have been, well, he recon- did. <laughs> hey, Thank you. use your Bible. Uh, <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. I want to get more text messages for all this bullying. Um, you did it first. Yeah. I was just, I was just trying to use a verse. Oh, how um, to turn tables. So, <laughs> so Anyway, but there would have been on earth a reconciliation between Stephen and Paul. Yeah. Because, because Paul at conversion would begin to understand the radical nature of the blood of Christ and the forgiveness of sins, including the murder that he committed against Stephen. Yeah, but do you think he Steve, went back and like to Stephen's family? Nope. So I'm going to close this. Well, you can't, you can't, first of all, I mean, there's... Yeah, I mean, the question is, ethically, where, where does but it you end? Let me, you didn't let me finish my point. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, you are too fault. anxious. You started this. I'm thinking about the audience. Yeah, and the, like, yeah. the audience is They're fine. They can turn it off. Charles is waving us back I'm gonna be, in. I'm going to be on the record here. <laughs> but the read the, read the last one again. Source of all true and lasting forgiveness. So there is no true and lasting repentance one to another if you have not truly tasted the forgiveness that comes from Christ. Certainly. You will only continue to perpetuate a self-righteous cycle that will ultimately leave in damnation, lead to damnation, and far past that will always leave you at disunity with the body mm. because you are someone who pretends to have You're grace stealing. and you will always be graceless. You're robbing. Absolutely. Amen. Yeah. All right, so my opinion. I would say that being released from sin means confessing and repentance to the Lord. And if he, by the Spirit, says go and sin no more and no further confession is required, I'd call that mercy and not that the life you're living in freedom is a product of sin. It's as if Paul was being charged that he was promoting licentious living. He refuted that. In the same way, I'm saying confession and repentance is a must always, and it begins with the Lord. I mean, I agree that it's a must always, and it begins with the Lord. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that most we've naturally... Got, we've agreed on some categories yeah, yeah. that... Yeah. Like, that most the, naturally, the difference is you believe it can end with the Lord in many different more circumstances than I will say cosmically it ends with yeah, the Lord. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but it does work itself out in the life All of right, the All right, so Lord. I have a story. So my great, great, great This man's trying to end the podcast 10 seconds ago, and now he's starting a story. Okay, no, go. because I know I got more meat left no, in the podcast. Okay. Yeah, so... Okay. So my great, great, great grandfather. This is the cult. This is the most interesting story. All right. So he was living uh, and he had, had daughters married and a man uh, raped his daughter. Hmm. Okay. And in retribution, he killed the man and fled from a state and went to Georgia 
and took on a new name, and it was the name Terrell, and it was his <laughs> it was his wife's last name. What? And so the original name was Henson. My original family name was Henson. The Muppets. And so I should be Don Henson, Ooh. but I'm not. I'm Which Don Terrell. Which does sound Terrell. like a cult leader. This sounds like a really good sermon illustration. I think that's what he's doing. Uh, sorry. Product of sin? Ooh. No, my brothers. Product of grace. Or, Amen. Or it could be, could be both. <laughs> he works all things together for All right, so in conclusion, I have a Bible verse. It's Romans 7, 6. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. So I'd like to thank my fellow elders, Blake McCullough and Lawson Harlow, for the time spent today. Since we're running out of time, I'll be short. My brothers and my friends, Godspeed. Godspeed. You're going to say, join us next week on the new name. (laughs) Well, I have a name. It should be Byproducts of Grace. Hey, if you get the dog one, it tastes like beef. Wow. It's chewable. I got some at the house. I can sell you if you want.